Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast. Have you ever wondered why a Seventh-day Adventist would ever become Catholic? Seventh-day Adventists are one of the most rapidly anti-Catholic religions on the face of the earth. They are vehemently anti-Catholic, and yet... Seventh-day Adventists are converting now to the Catholic Church. Why would that ever happen? On today's episode, we are going to be exploring just that. We have two wonderful guests who have converted from Seventh-day Adventism to the Catholic Church, and they have never been happier. Today, our guests are Teresa and Arthur Bean. And they will, uh, they're from multi-generational Adventist families, and they have attended even education through college at Adventist schools. So they have been trained and educated in the Adventist way since childhood. And they have a YouTube channel that explains Catholicism and Adventism, and they're currently working on a series entitled The Story of the Sabbath. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, Teresa actually wrote for Seventh-day Adventist publications. She's taught in SDA schools, and she's the founder of the first Adventist pro-life group. Apparently, the SDA church was officially pro choice until recently. That's interesting, and that's something that I did not know. Also, Arthur's father was an ordained SDA minister who was uh, also the educational superintendent. So neither of these people converted lightly. This was a huge decision in their life, probably a very difficult one. And I'm super excited to share their story here today and why they converted to the Catholic Church and also some of the misconceptions that they had about Catholics. So Please, Teresa and uh, Arthur, welcome to our show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, hi, hi, good to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited that you guys are here uh, with us today. I know that Seventh-day Adventists, I've read uh, Ellen G. White, It's uh, she's the founder of Seventh-day Adventism, and she. Uh, I've read her book, and she says that the Catholic Church is probably the most evil organization on earth, like the Pope is the Antichrist, and pretty much the source of all evil is the Catholic Church. So... It's no surprise to me why Seventh-day Adventists just do not like the Catholic Church if their founder is saying it's basically from the devil himself. So why in the world would you guys become Catholic if that's the case? <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a good question. You want me to start? You want me to start? Uh, <clears throat> well, honestly, our story, uh, I can back up, but to answer it directly, uh, we didn't want to. I mean, we, we were going through when we left Adventism, we were go, we went through many different churches. And when we went through them, we would give intense study through actual the, the pastors, not just not just passing conversations. We would actually sit them down and say, what does this particular church believe? And we went there's a lot of times we I was working, but she would go to three and four different churches a week yeah, with intense study on them. And what do you believe and why do you believe it? And when we, after a while, we got to a point where we were like, you know, that's about all. <laughs> that's and all the problems. We looked at each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we promised the Lord we wouldn't quit. And we kind of looked at each other and said, well, there's Catholicism. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you can hear the music in the background, you dun, know, the wah, wah, wah. It's like, oh, no. We, but, 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 and we couldn't come up with any good excuses not to do our best. And so basically somebody said, oh, yeah, there, there's this thing called RCIA. Like, what's that? Oh, it's just information, they said. Yeah. Uh -huh. Just go to it. It's just informative. So we signed up for RCIA, not knowing what RCIA actually was. And it was, a, it was a huge blessing. But I'm telling you, I mean, that's kind of a story in and of itself. I don't know how much time we have, but the RCIA story, if we can come through that RCIA, we can come through anything. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Actually, it was, we, it, yeah, go ahead. But the last day of RCIA, we finally just prayed and said, no, this, no matter what we just went through and saw in our CIA, it's the right thing to do. It, it's, it's God's, God's here. In every single denomination we went to, and, and there were many, you know, in, in America, there are a lot of, of, uh, churches just lined up on one street. There's like the church street. And we would go through and literally we'd have appointments with, with, um, uh, pastors, you know, one one hour here, a couple hours th later there, and we'd line them all up and they would give us the same answer. Oh, but we really go by the Bible. 
we we actually we're Bible we're, believers. Yeah. We're Bible believers. And I said, well, that's what the guy next door just said. And uh, so they would all get to a point where they would start getting frustrated. You know, I remember somebody saying, you just got to own it. You just got to own what we're saying. And I said, yeah, but I can't own it if I don't believe it. And I think you're wrong. And so I can't just just dismiss what I think, how I think you're wrong. And they all got very frustrated. All of these pastors eventually being with me long enough, they got very frustrated. And the Catholics were the only ones that stuck with it and had an answer. Even if I didn't like the answer, if we didn't like the answers, they had an answer. Even if it it rubbed us wrong and we were like, it couldn't possibly mean that. We'd pray about it and they never gave up on us. And so all you Catholics out there, understand even if Protestants come at you with a, a lot of frustration and anger and you just keep going, you keep going because you know what? The Protestants can't do that. You've got the true answers. The Protestants don't. And so just keep going. That's in a nutshell. That's, that's a nutshell version. Yeah, that is a good nutshell version. Um <laughs> how about uh let's back up a little bit and give a, a slightly bigger version if you don't mind before we get to some of the anti-catholicism of ellen g white and uh seventh-day adventists but i know that you guys grew up in very very um well i think you grew up in a liberal uh house Teresa, right and you grew up more in a very orthodox traditional seventh-day adventist oh, house and i'm sure your parents were, weren't thrilled when you converted um did they try to stop you did they try to prevent did you ever you know discuss with them how did you even get on this path in the first place what caused you to start doubting seventh-day adventism in the first place well ours are going to be different obviously mine started very young because in Adventism, it's fear-based. It's a fear-based concept. Ellen G. White comes up with a lot of things that she, she makes statements in a lot of her writings that if you don't believe this, you're, you're a goner. You're, you're, just, you're just gone. And even as a kid, you know, I was fearful to ask the questions, but once I could drum up the courage to ask questions, the, the answers would be, well, that's just, that's just, what we do. That's just the way it is. Sister White says it. Yeah. Sister White says it or, or the church says it or, but there was never any authoritative statement with the exception of pointing back to uh, Ellen White and what she said and what her thoughts were about things. So for me, it was about authority. Authority just crumbled early for me. At least Ellen White's authority. Yeah, Ellen White's authority just crumbled. Why and didn't you accept her authority? Um, every question I ever had never was answered. It was like, but wait a second, that doesn't jive with the Bible. And they, they insist it does. But they, it takes a lot of talking to try to convince you that it jives with things in the Bible. They, they, in fact, the past few years, they've been really hammering on, we are a Bible-believing church. Why would they even say that? Well, it's because of the accusations coming in that they are actually an Ellen White believing church that happens to use the Bible. And so they they have shoehorned her beliefs and her her statements and her prophecies into the Bible. They even have their own Bible called uh, what's it called? The, the clear, clear Word. Word. The clear Word. And they subtly infused Ellen White's writings into it. And so uh, when an Adventist goes to buy a Bible, of course, they're going to trust the Adventist version. And so you go by and, and it's literally throughout the text of the Bible. They've inserted her interpretations of it. And so it's really it's really hard if that's how you grow up. Right. And so for me, the reason it was I say I cut to the chase when I say it was authority because that was the crumbling was it was just a constant erosion of why can't you give me an answer for why Ellen White said this? And there never was one. It's because just, it's cognitive dissonance. It makes no sense. Exactly. Well, yeah, didn't she, uh, Mrs. White say that um, something to the effect that her writings are also inspired just like the Bible? I mean, I've read several of her writings which said, you know, these are inspired or these came directly from God. These You can't question these. These are divinely inspired just as yeah. the scriptures were. Yes. Like, here's here's just a short quote. In my books, the truth is stated, barricaded. By thus saith the Lord, the Holy Spirit 
trace these truths upon my heart and mind as indelibly as the law was traced by the finger of God upon the tablets of stone. How? As a kid, I didn't understand a lot of this, but I was like, well, she's referring to the Ten Commandments. Even as a kid, I would be like, well, that's the Ten Commandments. So you're, you're telling me that the things you say are as indelible as that. So anyway. And there's so many. It's not just that one. There are many, many, many you know, like, many. just read that. Feel free to quote a couple if you want to. That's, you know, it's good here's, for here's people to know. From the, her testimonies. Yet now, when I send you a testimony of warning and reproof, many of you declare it to be merely the opinion of Sister White. You thereby insulted the spirit of God. That's in Testimonies 5, page 64. And on and on and on and on and on. They're they're just voluminous quotes like this, that when she was going to reproof some, she's she's really going after somebody that disagreed with her in church. And she will have a another message from an angel that that takes them on and says, oh, no, you're wrong. It's yeah. Sister White's right. Yeah, she says that if you rebel against her writings, that you are the same as um, those people like Korath and Dathan uh, and Abiram, I think uh, Ab- Abraham, um, who rebelled against Moses and were sucked up into the ground. Um, so, she, no, she absolutely believed, and she did not believe she was infallible, but she believed her writings were infallible because they came direct, directly from God. And this one, the not the specific words, but the intent of this next one really hit me as a kid. It says, if you seek to turn aside the counsel of God to suit yourselves, which means don't believe in what she's saying. Right? If, you don't, if you don't believe. If you don't believe me. Then it says, if you lessen the confidence of God's people in the testimonies, he, capital H, has sent them. You are rebelling against God, as like you just said, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And, you know, as a kid, you you get hammered with these things. And you're like, well, I don't want to be sucked into the ground. I don't want to, you know, go against God and everything like this, these these things she's saying are always you're going against God. You're going against God. You're going, and they would never say you're going to hell because they don't believe in that. They believe in. She says, "I do not," and I quote, "I do not write one article in the paper expressing merely my own opinions. It's what God has given me." She said. So, no. so, so to go back. So it's basically she's a, a direct pipeline from the Almighty who gives word yes. for word, just as he did the biblical writers. And and there's even more strident ones we haven't even put on here. Well, I I would say most Adventists today, they don't dwell on these like when we were kids. Um, And so I don't think that the kids would, the kids growing up in Adventists today would even be aware of these texts, but it's still the foundation of their beliefs, whether they've heard these texts or not, you, you can't be, uh, you can't go to Adventist schools and question Ellen White. I mean, they, they will. It's uh, very fear-based, but it's always like a wizard of Oz. Don't look at the man behind the curtain. You know, he's always there, always there, always saying these things here. And we're not going to tell you the man's there because that would, that would look bad. Right. So this is what caused started to cause your faith in yes. Adventism to crumble. Yeah. And after so many of those, I just, you know, I could never get any answers. And the answers I did get were extremely weak. And and no, they did not reflect the intent of the Bible, especially, you know, into the New Testament. Do you have an, do you have one example of that? Like one of your questions that you had as a kid that they just couldn't answer sufficiently. You think it like contradicted the Bible and they were trying to uh, say, no, this is biblical or. There's, there's all kinds of them uh, eating meat, eating meat. Ellen White thought it, it uh, what's how, how did they, how did she, she said it? that if you eat meat in the last days, you cannot go straight to heaven. In other words, you you will have to go, uh, you have to die first. Your body, God cannot just directly take you in heaven, even when he comes again. So anybody who's eating meat in the last days has to die. Uh, It it is evil to eat meat. It's Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I I needed that. Uh, uh, Dancing. 
same thing. Dad, why, why don't, why don't we dance? Well, it's just, we just don't do that. Sister White talks against that. That was the answer. Drinking caffeine. Drinking caffeine, drinking any kind of alcohol. But dad, uh, isn't, wasn't there wine? Didn't Christ have wine? Oh no, no, that's grape juice. They don't celebrate Easter no, no. on Easter Sunday. Right. They make, they downplay Easter. Because it's it's celebrated on Sunday. In fact, a lot of Adventists look at Christmas as pagan. They look at Easter as pagan. They look at uh, Halloween, which All Souls Day, as pagan. Oh, you're worshiping, you're worshiping dead people. It's it's uh, necromancing. Uh, necromancing. And so it, it is. It's it's, and they would argue this to the death. But uh, I'm sorry, it's it. There's very much proof to pr- you read her writings. It is it's fear based. And the whole thing as a kid, you were really coerced into only playing with Seventh Adventist kids because you could be, their phrase was you could be deceived. There's everything under the sun could, you could be deceived. Well, that's very be culty, deceived. very cult like. Yeah, like The Village, like the movie The Village. I felt yeah. exactly, I know, I watched that and we just looked at each other and said, wow, this has a feel for that. You mm. know? That's very so, interesting. Um, very interesting. Um, yeah, and, and I can clearly see, you know, the whole eating meat thing is totally contradicting the Bible, which, I mean, Jesus literally gave Peter a revelation about, it's, uh, you know, eating meat uh, and so on and so on. But yeah, that's very wine. interesting. They or drinking they wine. Believe, yeah, communion is grape juice for them because they do not believe they will they will fight you to uh, maybe not to the death but they'll fight you about Jesus drinking wine that he did not do that he drank pure grape juice uh-huh okay <laughs> so okay um so is that you know what you had to say for your story did you have a little bit more before Teresa shares hers her, her I have her... tons more but I don't uh, I mean we only fair enough <laughs> yeah no fair I'll answer um, whatever you want me to I I we love doing this because it's, well, why don't we bump over to Teresa then? Because um, yes, I love everything you guys do. I would love to do a whole like long show just on your story, but uh, we'll get the clip it for now. Well, you know, uh, we've actually been on a lot of different shows. And so I, I try to make each one different just for the interest of it. But um, it, the problem is people think you lie if you if you give a different a different um but, but a different view, but this, these are different pieces of the puzzle. And this one, I want to specifically give you a story because it is such a fabulous story. Uh, the what for, what was for me absolutely, I could put up with anything in Adventism because of the Sabbath. I thought, well, they keep the commandments. But when I found out Adventists not only believed abortion was okay, and this was when I was in uh, my first year of college, not only but that the Adventist churches. Uh, I mean, the Adventist hospitals did abortions on demand. And why would a uh, hospital, hospital isn't going to do an expensive abortion that the, the kids could go down to Planned Parenthood and have. No, these were abortions that had to have a hospital. So you're, you're talking about uh, more late term abortions. And I, I, I did a, a research time when I called uh, Adventist hospitals and talked to to nurses that worked on the floor, because if you talk to the people in HR, they will give you a different story. So you have to kind of dig deep. And they said to me, doctor, um, uh, the nurses on the floor, the OBGYN floor said, there is no limit to the abortion uh, date uh, as far as the gestation of the baby, as long as the doctor and the mother are willing. So they were doing late term abortions in, in uh, different um, Adventist hospitals. So wow. I was absolutely horrified nothing that they said about dancing oh that's like baptist lots and lots of people you know don't believe in dancing and all this kind of stuff but when i heard that my church that said um we got to keep the ten commandments and we've got to die for that kind of truth and then they performed abortions and didn't even teach they didn't even teach it was wrong they did not teach that abortion was wrong i was I was horrified. So I started the very first, I was going to go in and change my church. You know, I was born on the same day as Martin Luther. I thought of myself as the Adventist Martin Luther. I was going to, I was going to go in and change my, my church. And if not, <laughs> then I was going to have to be like Martin Luther. So anyway, um, so I started the first Adventist uh, uh, for life 
and I could get no traction at all. Adventists did not want anything to do with that. They saw it as a political a political question that they would end up in the last days. See, they, they believe in the last days the Catholics are going to come after them and kill them. So they cannot align <laughs> with what Catholics say or they're, they're feeding the beast. They are, we have to have, we, we must stand up for religious, um, religious liberty or one day, excuse me, one day we're going to lose it. And so they did, um, they will not fight for abortion, uh, 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 the unborn baby, because they see that as a liberty right. Can't tread on that. So Which I would take them directly back to. They think mm-hmm. we're we're going to kill them because they're going to church on Saturday. That's, yeah, that's and why so, they think we're going to. So kill they them. relate those two. Wow. Things. Yeah. Always we like align to go. with the with the with the uh, Catholics to take away women's rights. Then they we are aligned against our own best interests because one day the Catholics are going to come after us. So I uh, started trying to just debunk that. Just and um, I I had a huge rally. I did this for fifteen years. You know, for wow. fifteen years, every penny I got was spent towards this. My children. We didn't. There were times we didn't get Christmas presents because I was pouring everything into this. Um, and um, we had a huge rally. We had spent, it was basically our money because we couldn't yeah. get anybody to even help fund this uh, except for just a, a guy. Ah! Sorry, excuse me. Bless you. Oh, that's no problem. And um, so we had this big, huge rally and I had no funds for any information to give them. Um, no pamphlets, no little babies, no little plastic babies, um, the 12 week old, um, little pins. And I wanted them so badly. And I knelt and I prayed and I said, God, we have no money. We've got to save these children. You know, it's Adventist children that are being killed because I knew a bunch of my friends had had abortions. They told me by Adventist doctors. And so, um, I knelt and I prayed and the morning of the rally, there was a big box big like like this big filled with little babies with four color uh pamphlets about the unborn you can't imagine it was chocked full of expensive little things that we can hand out and on the 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 uh return of the address that you know was sitting on a front porch it was sitting on our front porch and the return address was k-o-c I had no idea what that was. <laughs> wow. No idea. Never spoke to a Catholic about it. Nothing. Huh. It was Knights of Columbus. I opened it up. That was my first moment of maybe they're not so bad. Maybe these Catholics are not so bad. And so I wanted to tell you guys that story because that made that it would took take many years, probably take 10 years for that to impact me as fully as it should have. But they were there when my Adventist family, friends, church directly opposed me and told me I was evil for being pro-life. Like verbally abusing. Oh, yeah. That I was going to cause uh, the death of... You're talking about shunning and verbally abusive. Mm -hmm. And she made thousands of calls for this. Uh, rally that we were going to have, and and wow. even walked the some, streets. Even had uh, who was it? Knocked on doors. The the uh, conference president wasn't he supposed to? Who was it that was going to well, talk? Well, big. We can spend so long. I forget which one it was, but it was a, it was up there in their theological structure. Was going to come talk at it. All of a sudden, called off. Every single person yeah. called off like the day of or the day before. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, it was. And then I and that was the thing that woke me up about Ellen White. That's the thing that woke me up about the church. This is not about jewelry. This is not about caffeine. This is about the Ten Commandments that we had been told we were going to end up uh, dying for one day. And if Mm -hmm. we can't even keep, you know, uh, thou shalt not kill, then why are we talking about the Sabbath? Anyway, so that's mine. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, they claim to keep the commandments and then we're breaking the commandments just so they didn't have to be Catholic or be too close to Catholic or have anything in common with Catholic. It goes back to what you guys are saying about the fear-based cult-like uh, un- uh, 
I guess, milieu that was going around there. And it's really kind of scary. And in fact, I uh, when I first started researching Adventist, everything was the Pope is evil, you're evil. There, nothing was based on fact. It was just all, every. you're just evil. And then I went to their churches because I, like you guys, started uh, studying. When I had doubts about my Catholic faith, I studied every denomination. And even after I did know my faith, I still went to the denominations to find out more of what they believed. And when I went to the Adventist churches, the only thing I ever saw there, I guess this is their church worship service. It's not, you can't call it worship or a service. The whole thing from beginning to end is how Armageddon's going to happen. Uh, I mean, they have like these huge boards, and at least the ones I went to, and they had pointer sticks, and the armies of the Lord are going to come in through here, and the Catholics and the evil ones who join the beast are going to come in through here. He had this whole elaborate thing, and I'm thinking, Armageddon's only mentioned once. There's literally no description in the book of Revelation of how it's going to happen, and yet they've concocted these whole theories about how everything's going to happen, and they base their whole church services on the end of the world, which is apparently coming very soon, if not like tomorrow. (laughs) I can explain that to you. Adventists believe that throughout history was the regular gospel. There was the regular gospel. The Adventists were given by God a special end times message. They think you the gospel's gone to the whole world. But our, it's called the everlasting gospel, is what they were given to spread to the world. That's their only message that they have. And they're the only ones it was ever given. Yeah, yeah. It's specifically for the Seventh-day Adventists that the Sunday law is going to precede Christ's coming. And anyone who goes to church on Sunday is going to receive the mark of the beast. And you must keep the Seventh-day Sabbath. And if you don't, you will in the last days be lost. And that is their message to give to the world. And that's their unique message. So that's why you see what you do. Which is interesting um, because that's exactly what Mormonism claims, that Joseph Smith restored the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It was given to only him. And literally the first thing the Mormons tell you when they visit your house, it's it's one, is every religion is evil and an abomination in God's sight, especially the Catholic Church. It sounds like the SDAs, it sounds like Jehovah's Witnesses, they all have this restoration theology where only they're right, everyone else is wrong, and God spoke directly to them. Right. Now, they would say uh, all Catholics and all what they call apostate Protestantism that worships on Sunday, they have a chance at salvation until the moment when God, uh, uh, he's going to put in the sky that the Sunday laws start happening. That's going to be the tip off who's Christian. That's the last day test. But then um, there's going to be things in the sky, like the Sabbath is going to be shown in the sky, but I think that's going to be too late. That's right. That's that's when Ellen White says it's too late for people to change their minds. But uh, the Sunday laws really when the test becomes evident to the world, and that's when you will seal your fate as a Christian. And, the, and remember, anytime the Sunday law is spoken, it's spoken of as lethal. Mm-hmm. It's not, there's no kinder, gentler version to an Adventist. When you say Sunday law, that means Adventists are going to die because of the right. Sunday law. Right. They're coming after the whole world is going to spearhead a movement to kill Seventh-day Adventists. Wow. Led, led not just by Ad, by Catholics, but by those Adventists who converted to Catholicism. Talk about paranoia. Wow. Yeah. So we it, she says that that is the stars of adventists will fall and they will join and spearhead the group that will um come after Cath- uh, adventists and kill them so so interesting um yeah that's uh, i i'm doing a series we're going to do a video i think i told you this beforehand but i'm doing a video on the similarities between the founders of jehovah's witnesses and the founder of seventh day adventists and they're virtually the same thing they have so many of the same things and even both religions seem to claim that you know protestants and catholics are going to come together and join the beast and you know that's going to happen at armageddon and uh, jehovah's witnesses claim the exact same thing protestants and catholics it was predicted we're going to come together at the final days and try to overcome god's chosen ones and you know, you hear this from different religions, but they all contradict each other. They all disagree in, on doctrines. Um, <clears throat> it's just so interesting. So maybe we can start with um, 
I want to talk about the Sabbath. I want to have a whole section on the Sabbath, and I want to have a whole section on Ellen G. White because um, <clears throat> everything started with her. Um, why don't we start with her? I mean, because if she poisoned the well to begin with, and if she wasn't correct, and if she was teaching false doctrines, and these supposed thousands of revelations that she was given that she claims are directly divinely inspired by God, similar to the Holy Scriptures, if this isn't correct, then the whole religion of Seventh-day Adventists falls with it, sure. right? I mean, so sure. maybe you guys could talk a little bit about the problems with Ellen G. White and some of the things you've discovered that really, you know, put question marks over your head. Oh, wow. Um, okay. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. This is a whole show in itself, but yeah. maybe we can give like a broad overview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This will be a bigger nutshell, but in a nutshell. So for me, um, and it's not that it's not for everybody else, but this was a big thing for me because they teach about in school about 1844 was supposed to be the second coming. That was a William Miller prophecy. prophecy. But she was part of this. She was in his congregation. And when that fell through and people died and they gave all their belongings away and it was it was horrible. Um, she still was an apostle of that uh, whole entire thought process of 1844. It's just, oh, well, we were looking at it wrong. So 1844 was correct, but we just we just we're just going to tweak it a little bit now. So, you know, he he pretty much, you know declined afterwards and ended up going didn't he go back to yeah he went back to his old and he even said his message was wrong he didn't he did not claim that his prophecy was from god right. he just got it from calculating this the scriptures and he uh william miller just went back to his old church and even repented of having wow. brought mm -hmm. so wow. so she becomes this this strong apologist for oh well we're going to sit down and figure this out and uh, it was a failed prophecy, and why she would want to grab onto it, I'm, I'm not sure, but she did. She grabbed onto it, and she grabbed onto it by saying, this is the actual authority of God coming to me and only me personally. And so when I say things, now, she'll refute these things she says by saying, well, no, I'm not perfect. It's just because, but the Holy... The, God's spirit is perfect. And so if he tells me things, those things are perfect. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, by deduction, you're saying you're, you're, you're perfect in the, in what you say and what you write. And uh, so for me, it's not just that one thing. There are just multiple things that she says throughout her entire life that, uh, wow, they just, False prophecies. False prophecies. And they fail and they fail and they fail. And she would go after people, personally go after people that disagreed with her, with this angel from God just happened to come talk to her about, re, re, oh, you need to go tell that person they're wrong. And if they don't come around, then then it's the end for that, you know, that type of concept. So for me, uh Wow. Yeah, so that, in 1844, that, William Miller predicted the end of the world. He failed. Uh, I think it was called the Great Disillusion. Disappointment. You're right. The Great Disappointment. And it kind of broke apart into sects. I know one of the sects that started was the Jehovah's Witnesses. One of them was the Seventh-day Adventists. And she, both of them, the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the founder of the Adventists, continued to do what William Miller started and tried to predict the end of the world and try to come to all these different prophecies. But we know the Jehovah's Witnesses failed every single time. And you're saying that... Um, uh, Ellen G. White has had a lot of prophecies too, and she failed also. You know, that reminds me of um, Deuteronomy 18, where, you know, people, the Bible says that if something, uh, if you claim that something's going to take place, or if you claim that something's going to happen in the name of the Lord, and it doesn't come to pass, then you are a false prophet, and you should not be listened to. Although back in the day, you would be killed for it. <laughs> um, right. Maybe it could, um, so she, how many prophecies did she claim to have? How many visions did she claim to have? Well, she had something like 2,000 visions. A lot. And um, a lot of them, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. They, they, they were, you know how Nostradamus had visions that were a little bit, you could take it anywhere, you could oh. place it anywhere. Well, like she had uh, a vision where uh, Nashville is going to be destroyed. 
and uh, there by, there by were, a giant meteor or something like that. Yeah. And then when anything happens in Nashville, Adventists will go, "Oh, we'll see." You know, that was that was her mm-hmm. prophecy. But she made some that were so absolutely they're 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 irrefutably wrong. Like she said, she said she was said to a group of people uh, at some meeting. I think it was a GC meeting. Some of you will be food for worms. Some of you will die, and some of you will see the second coming. Well, they were all, they all died. And so how the, and again, what the church will say, well, those were conditional prophecies, you know, just like Dan, just like, uh, 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 Jonah, you know, there were conditional prophecies and, but that's not what she said. And I don't know what condition had to be fulfilled for the God to have come then, but she was constantly making statements like get ready, get ready immediately. God's about to come. And then he didn't come. And and then the church again says, well, but the early church, you know, in the first century also thought the same thing. You look at even Paul thought um, that uh, Jesus was going to be coming soon and he didn't. So there's 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 a lot of excuses. And uh, she does she does have a lot of things that she said in her writings about health that have turned out to be utterly and totally false. And yet because what happens is science is very fickle about like things like coffee and wine. And one day you see a, a, a study that shows wine is bad for you. The next day you see a, a study that the wine is good for you. And so each time that thing comes out, oh, wine is bad for you. Adventists will immediately, you know, spotlight that. See, Ellen White was right. Ellen White was right. You know, wine is bad for you. We can't, we can't. God knows. God, see, you got to follow the, the testimony of God. Um, and, um, Science is following Ellen White's uh, knowledge is what they do. But then again, two years later, there's another another study that'll say, oh, coffee is the best thing you can <laughs> that you can um, drink. So it's always back and forth. And, and it is very much a black helicopters type of lifestyle that you are constantly relating everything that happens in the news to something Ellen White wrote. And it never comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. And, and that like the big thing is going to be the last day's prophecy of the Sunday law. And, you know, when I was young, we went to something that's called a, a boarding academy, Adventist boarding academy. There were young men in high school there that would go out and prepare for this imminent sin return of God. And the and they tor- torture that they were going to receive at the hand of Catholics and they would go out and beat their bodies and, and lay in stickers and, and torture themselves to prepare to stand true to the Sabbath when they're, when they're tortured by Catholics. And so, uh, <laughs> it's a terrible wow. Way of looking. <laughs> wow. I, um, we did, I think you guys know that we did at least two videos on the Seventh-day Adventist on our channel. Cause I had read <clears throat> this book, the great controversy by Ellen G. White. Um, not all of it. It's like 700 pages, but a good number of it to know that it's chocked full of like countless errors per page. I mean, almost every page has <clears throat> errors on it. So I was reading this and someone who has a master's degree in history and um, church history, and I've studied it for decades before that. And I just know history really well. So when I read her book, I was like, there's just hundreds, maybe thousands of errors in this one little book. And so I said, if this woman could get so much wrong about history and so much wrong about Catholicism on a basic level sometimes, how could she deceive so many millions of people? So that's kind of why I wanted to make those videos to undo some of the claims that she makes. And these are all claims from beginning to end. This book cites not a single source. It cites not a single fact or encyclopedia, history book, or anything. It's really just her opinion, apparently. And, um, That's why we actually gave sources in our videos from encyclopedias, history books, what the Catholic Church actually teaches, what she says they teach, and then what we actually teach, and here's where it says that. So, you know, my experience of Ellen G. White is that everything she's taught is just not true or, I guess, laced with misunderstandings or errors, big, small, in between. And um, that 
would throw me off, I guess, to have a greater concern for everything else she says as well. I mean, that just says that she can't be trusted. If the Watchtower of Jehovah's Witnesses predicts the end of the world to happen over and over and over again, and they fail every single time, how can they be trusted? And if what she's saying isn't actually too true and her prophecies are failing, how can she really be trusted? Well, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before the show. Um, when Ellen White's great controversy, and please read the last few chapters, those are going to be the ones that are going to just, uh, th those are the specific ones about what's going to happen in the last days. But she received these visions. The, the, the book, The Great Controversy, was from a vision she received. And she said an angel from heaven came and gave her all that information of history. and it. Adventists see it as correcting history. They will reject real history because she learned from God because that's the traditions of man. And then her vision is from directly from God. So it's very difficult to um, convince an Adventist through sources when we were young, all the early church fathers' writings, you couldn't go to them for anything legitimate because she delegitimized de them. She said these were people who had already become apostate. And there's a moniker they always attach to what she's saying is you 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 could be deceived. You could mm -hmm. be deceived. That's mm -hmm. a huge moniker on everything they do. So they always try to turn you back to anything Ellen White said or the Adventist Church has said. Mm -hmm. Because anything else, you could be deceived. Your your sources, Brian, are deceived. You're just not realizing it, <laughs> according to that. It's so delusional. Uh, Mormons yeah. say the same thing. Because they had an angel come down too and give it to Joseph Smith, they will tell you. And I've had Mormons tell me that my faith outweighs your facts. Like, yes, I see what you're saying is actually true. I see that these are facts which contradict my faith, but my faith outweighs that. And I know it's true. Like, that's, it's. This is the kind of faith it is. They will not accept your facts. In other right. words, yeah, they're not going to say, oh, well, maybe some book says it, so therefore it's true, but my faith trumps your facts. They will say, you're being deceived in your facts. Come over to our side and we'll give you the true facts. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm just writing some of this down because it's very interesting to me. <laughs> um, did you guys have anything else to say on LNG White um, before we go over to the Sabbath? I don't. Okay. I, I think I think what, the the one last thing I would say is to just double down on this is that Adventists would would disagree with me that it's fear based, but then when you look into have how many Adventists have you ever seen in an open debate with other religions? No, but they don't. They don't because of that whole concept of then their constituents are listening to arguments that could deceive them. So everything is about deception. They are the only ones that know truth. They put it in their books in, for their schools. They put it in their Bible that they, they did. And it is, it's fear-based. So having conversations with Adventists is very important. How you do it. You can't do it the way most Catholics end up. And, and Protestants. Yeah, and, and you, Protestants, yeah. You, you, apologists constantly feed into Adventists' uh preconceived beliefs. They don't realize they're doing this. Um, I, I, you know, I've had many, many conversations with Catholics who just say, well, you know, and, and as we get into to, uh, the Sabbath issue, they say, well, the Catholics change the Sabbath to Sunday. And when you say that to them, we have the authority to change. You have so thoroughly imprinted their beliefs into the into them you have no concept of how you are you are saying exactly what they're prepared to hear and to disbelieve as deception and so you've got to know the verbiage and how and what they mean by their words because catholics and their words like faith and sabbath and all these kind of things do not have the same meaning with uh, with adventists and it can get very confusing. And it is, well, should I, should I give you an example of what I mean? Sure. 
Okay. So I have heard this over and over from Catholic apologists. We had the authority to change the Sabbath to Sunday. Well, when an Adventist hears the word Sabbath, they believe that because the fourth commandment, which is to them the fourth commandment, it's the third to, to Catholics. Jesus, I mean, God wrote on the Ten Commandments, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh is the day, the holy day of the Lord thy God. In it shall, you shall do no work. They believe there's only one correct day of worship per week. You are not, God does not want you worshiping on the other days. Those are wrong days to worship. And because they, Adventism grew up in a Protestant uh, nation where there was really only one day. Everybody goes to church on Sunday. They don't have a concept that Catholics worship every day. Now that goes back to Israel. Israel had a day of rest. But they worshipped at the at the at Jerusalem temple all days. Their Catholics have understand you can worship any day, and you should worship every day because we have mass every day. But Adventists don't believe that. You are not to have that one day of worship. So when an, a Catholic says to an Adventist, "We change the day of worship," they're thinking we change the only and one true day of worship to Sunday, and what. What we, what you need to say to an Advent is, Adventist is, Catholics have been going to church on the seventh day of the week for eight, were for eight hundred sixty for eighteen hundred sixty years before Adventists even heard the 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 Sabbath method message. We go to church on the Sabbath day, which is to us Saturday. We go to church, and as a matter of fact, studies and statistics prove there are more. Catholics in church on the seventh day by far exponentially than there are Adventists in church on the Catholic day. Arthur and I did a study this. We, we went to the uh, USCCB and we got how many people, how many Catholics in America uh, attend church on the seventh day. And, and we looked into the, uh, the Adventist statistics on the GC website. And there's, there are, We've got to keep plugging. There is no such thing as a day of worship. You can worship God anytime corporately in church because what they'll come back and say, oh, sure, we can worship Oh God. We can do it privately in our own homes all days. They believe there's only one day of corporate public worship that God authorized. Any other corporate worship day is against Adventist thoughts. And so you've got to keep putting, there's no such thing as a day of worship. Show that to me in the Bible. Where there is a day of worship, there's a day of rest. But even if you were to convince them there's, that there's a day of rest, their entire system is built around the last, the last test, test of Christianity is the day of worship. It's not the day of rest. In other words, they want to, they'll come back with, oh yeah, yeah, but you should be resting on the, on the seventh day. And just say, okay, well, we can, we'll agree. We may have a difference in the day of rest, but all days are days of worship for Catholics. We're good with work, with worshiping, and that will blow every everything. And that it may not make sense to you, but it's really truly how they think. And so don't ever say to them, we change the Sabbath. Say to them, we don't believe that there's one day of worship. That's not biblical. There's nothing in, in the Bible that says we can't worship every day and Catholics worship every day of the week. We worship on the seventh day too. That, that destroys their entire, their entire uh, theology from beginning to end. Which is yeah, so interesting because they do go to Wednesday night prayer meeting. But they, that looks exactly like their Saturday service, if you want to call it a service. I mean, it's identical. You have a speaker, he speaks, they pray, they sing a song, whatever. It's But because they rename it, they say it's Wednesday night prayer meeting. Yeah, it's not worship. <laughs> Wait a minute. Seems public. Seems like you're worshiping and praying. That's right. <laughs> well, and their, and their view of worship is different. And that's more along the Protestant lines. We believe that the Eucharist uh, the, is the sacrifice of Christ 
you know, being recalled. And um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not thinking of the perfect word to say right here, but the, the Catholics believe worship is God's sacrifice for us, where Protestants believe worship means to sing a song to him and pray to him. And so when you talk about worship to Adventists, they just mean you're sitting in church on the seventh day, hearing a sermon and singing songs. So let's talk about the Sabbath. Um, how did that all come about? Because, I mean, Christians for since the beginning of the church, you know, worshiped on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Adventists will say that, you know, Constantine changed that law. He's the one who made uh, people worship on Sunday because he worshiped the sun god and he wanted to blend and fuse paganism and Christianity. And so he kind of made a universal religion. I think <clears throat> even um, someone was saying that was it Doug Batchelor or some Robert Breaker. Someone was saying that in one of the videos I was debunking recently. Oh, I think it was Robert Breaker. And he was saying that the word Catholic means universal. Constantine wanted to bring everyone in the universe together and worship on Sunday. And it was such an interesting point because Christians worshiped on Sunday like centuries before Constantine. And so I know that, you know, uh, this one little, even the Adventist, William Miller, didn't really believe that, but there were some, as I understand it, some small sects, very tiny sects within Adventism that were Sabbath, Sabbathists, people who worshiped on Saturday. And I think, Kind of that's where Ellen G. White started pulling from. Could you give us a little bit more information on that? Do you know? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, well, um, there was a woman who was a Seventh-day Baptist who joined the, the Millerites and, and, stuck with the, the, and stuck with Ellen White and her group after the Great Disappointment. And she came to Joseph Bates one day and said, hey, look, since we're changing everything, <laughs> since we're going to start anew, yeah. uh, let's just go ahead and keep the Sabbath because that's I'm from a Seventh Day Baptist, and she presented the arguments uh, of the uh, why you should keep this the Sabbath as as opposed to the Sunday, and uh, that's when they he took it to Ellen White, and then of course she had a vision, which was the normal thing, and she uh, said, "Oh yes, this is what God wants, and He wants it from Friday nights." Uh, Friday night sundown till Saturday night sundown. And they just accepted it because of her vision. But yes, there, you know, the Constantine thing, you can. Oh, oh, right. And then you hit Constantine and they just go to town on that one. You know, one, oh, well, he was a Christian. Well, and it doesn't matter how many things Constantine did. You know, he he made orphanages. He made it legal to be Christian. His his mother was a extraordinary Catholic, and and on and on and on. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They fit him into. They have taken eschatology, and really, that's kind of their second arm. Their left arm is is like what we've just Sabbath. been going over. And then the other arm is eschatology. And they spend, you know, they have what they call Daniel Revelation seminars every year. Fear it's a, the ultimate fear mongering because they go into the, all the beasts and in Revelation and, and all of this. And they always draw correlations directly to us and Catholics. to Catholics. Yeah. And so, yeah, Constantine is, is their, Creme de la creme. That's the point of pivoting from, uh, well, wait a second, Christ kept the Sabbath. To Constantine. But she believed every single, and you look in this in the Great Controversy, she says all Christians kept this uh, Seventh-day Sabbath as a worship day exclusively. And there was no one keeping uh, going to church on Sunday before Constantine. And uh, if if anybody says so, that's deceptive history, which, of course, the early church fathers would be deceptive history to them. Like all of them, unanimously, all of they them. all worshipped. On. If they kept, if, if they went to church on Sunday at any point and would defend going to church on Sunday, then they absolutely were not of God. They were now of the apostate church. Yeah, See, that's this, why. I, this is more difficult. <clears throat> 
happen. Yeah, and that's why we did a whole video on the Sabbath, and I put quote after quote after quote on the screen from the earliest Christian centuries before Constantine saying not only that they worshipped on Sunday, which was a tradition that came from the apostles, but also why they did it had nothing to do with the sun god, had nothing to do with paganism, it had to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and worshipping him and celebrating his resurrection. And that gets black and white history. And what's so sad to me is that Ellen G. White ignores black and white history for a supposed revelation in the vein of Joseph Smith, who's just rewriting history and rewriting theology at, at whim, even though it contradicts the actual facts of history. And then they do what Joseph Smith and Charles Days Russell, Jehovah's Witnesses, and other cults do, is that they say, well, history can't be trusted. Jehovah's Witnesses are famous for saying that history can't be trusted when it contradicts them and their facts. It's like, oh, well, you know, Jesus is spiritual. The messages that came to us are spiritual. The Bible, spiritual history, philosophy, that's physicality. That's of this earth. You know, that can't be trusted as much as, you know, the word of God or the revelations that we receive. And that's really just not the way spirituality, the Bible or Christianity has ever worked. Yeah, but don't get discouraged because what's going to happen is just like us, <clears throat> once the little crack in Ellen White as prophetess happens, once that happens, all of a sudden, all these this document and stuff you put in will get to them, will make all of a sudden sense. They will see the light through the crack and they will uh, love it. So don't don't do, uh, keep doing what you're doing, but just understand that until you until you debunk Ellen White, they're going to debunk your uh, <laughs> your history. And so anyway. Yeah, no, we've actually had several, several Adventists come to Catholicism and some have brought their families with them. And they said that they've, you know, watched our videos and they've done research and they actually have are becoming Catholic. So, you know, praise God for that. Amen. Yeah. yeah, it's happening. I, I would add in her book, It's Okay Not to Be a Seventh-day Adventist. There's a, a quote in there. I'm going to quote, not quote, but I'm going to tell the, there's a, a story in there where I used to work with a man, his son was in charge uh, in Vietnam of going into villages after the Viet Cong had gone in and mined the place. And they said what they found out was, was once you got over a certain point in the village, everything was mined. Every exit was mined, no matter what direction you're, so they had to be very careful so they knew how to start looking for these mines. And that hit me is Adventism mines uh, all the exits. Once you get in and accept what uh, Teresa was just saying about Ellen White, everything's mine. She went out and intentionally mined all these exits. And that's why I'm saying it's fear-based. You can't have a conversation with them to where they're actually connecting with you on a believe, you know, uh, level. That's why you don't yeah. see them in conversations with anybody in the open, having debates, having um, this is why we believe what we believe. They're always attacking Catholicism or Sunday worshipers, which is 666 if you're a Sunday worshiper, right? That's it. That's all they can do is attack us. Because if you ever come into a, a, a rational conversation with them where they're actually willing to put what they believe on the table and say, wow, that doesn't make sense. We're going to throw that out. No, then you're deceived. So every it's this circuitous thing, always coming back around to fear, keeping them in. The, every every ex, That's why I say every exit's mine. But, but the Holy Spirit can take them over the exits. So it's yeah. don't give up. That's right. That's <laughs> because right. there is there are a lot of young people that were not indoctrinated into Ellen White, like our generation. And um, right. they are, they're actually, their churches bleeding young people as bad as the Catholics are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's just a problem across the board nowadays, thanks to secular society. Um, right. Yeah, but it's just interesting. You're right. There's no rationality I've found among the Adventists. They're completely and totally irrational. They cannot hold a normal conversation. They cannot hold an intellectual conversation. They cannot really get into facts. All they do, they start yelling and insulting and condemning, and then they only get worse from there, I find many times. Like, you know, they say, though, Vicarious Filii Dei, you know, Vicar of the Son of God. You That means 666, your Pope's the Antichrist. I say, well, okay, but that's never been a title.
title of the Pope. Where did you get that from? Oh, of course, it's the title of the Pope. It's on his crown. Where can where is it? Where have you ever seen that? Where does the Catholic Church teach that? Where, can you find any anything in any official document of the Catholic Church which shows that? And of course, they can't. I think they usually appeal to one uh, newspaper, just a newspaper that had said that they misprinted the crown and uh, put that on there when they shouldn't have. And never in history can you find it, but that doesn't matter to them because it's there and nothing can change their mind about it. it. They literally have to ignore the facts. It fits what they need for their eschatology to work. Right. And that's that's the, one of the big explosions going out. You know, are you willing to openly look at what history really is? What yeah. it really ended up to this point? That's the that's that's tough. But, but like Teresa said, it's the Holy Spirit can get them through the minefield because it is a minefield for them. Mm-hmm. A mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you yeah. know, and I would tell you one of the things that I loved and that helped bring me over is the is the um, redemptive suffering belief of, of Catholic Catholicism mm-hmm. because let me tell you and I I plead to my Catholic people that are watching this when you are raised without the truth your life is suffering and no matter how wonderful Protestants are and they love the Lord and I love the Lord and I mean my life was devoted to the Lord so many wonderful uh, uh, Protestants have the passion to follow the Lord that I haven't seen a lot in Catholicism, but they also have that passion because they're suffering for lack of truth. They are, you know, Catholics have a banquet of truth that they're eating from. And sometimes we take advantage of that. We just assume everyone else, but when you don't have the sacraments, there is great suffering because all you see is a black hole. There's yeah. no getting better in this life. You live for the next life. Um, we, you know, uh, uh, I, I can't really give you a lot of more information because it's too, you know, I don't want to, you know, hurt a lot of people that I know. But when you, those sacraments get you t- through the times of suffering. And when you don't have it, it is pure hell. And you reach out to God and you want to believe with all your heart, you want to believe this to be true, but you have no physical presence of God. It's only an imagination. They are fans. They are, when they say they're fanatics of Christ, but really the fanatics, they're fans of Christianity, but they're not in the body of Christ as in the same way the Catholics are. So don't ever give up on Protestants, especially Adventists, because their <laughs> life is suffering. I love how you call Adventists Protestants because they refuse to call themselves Protestants, even though they totally are. Well, um, they're getting more. They, yes, they used to not allow themselves to become, but they are now. Yeah, I would that's, say that's that actually, the last, this last generation, let's say 20, 25 years, have you know, if you were to talk to them, oh, sorry, if you were to talk to them directly, they they bring themselves together with main body Protestants, okay? Even though, which is very interesting, it's very difficult to do. How can you bring yourself together with other Protestants who you're saying are going to help because they, they go to church on Sunday, which is 666? So that that's the problem they have. But I think the main body of this generation, Adventists, are trying to to separate themselves from that hard line. But then where are you? You're in just general Protestant territory now. You're no longer. And so I think there's coming there's a coming crisis for them of dropping Ellen White, Mm -hmm. because the more people bring it up, like you've been saying, the more the more times you you bring that up and say, so this is who you believe, and they start looking at it, the younger this generation, I think, are more quick to be able to say, wait a second. No, we're Bible believers. Yeah. That's so, that's- so interesting. If you guys don't mind me interjecting one point, I've noticed the exact same thing with not only Mormons, but Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I mean, Mormons have always been open-minded to a point, but lately now they're, they've literally 
change their entire religion now. There's no more, oh, we can be gods. There's no more, you know, exaltation in heaven, even though they do believe it and it's on their website. Now it's, oh, we're, we're Christians who believe in Jesus Christ who died for us and we're going to go to heaven with our heavenly father. They've literally candy coated it and sanitized it to make it completely more palatable to the average person. And I've noticed Jehovah's Witnesses who used to say it's our way or the highway you know, you believe what we believe, not even they can keep up with the world tearing them apart. And even they, I'm so surprised, are changing their religion. They're like, oh, we're Bible-only Christians. You know, they're starting to give the same thing that the Adventists are doing, that the Mormons are doing. They're all candy-coating it and changing it to make it more palatable because they can't keep people with their odd doctrines. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, well. Well, and I can say a problem. One of the things is that Adventists, like Mormons, you know, they're very, uh, you run into a lot of them, they're very kind people, right. they want to help, you know, they they take great pride in saying, oh, our healthcare facilities, we're out there to, and they have uh, locations around uh, that are like ultra healthcare facilities, almost like the Kellogg facility, but it's now it's, you know, just Adventists, like up in Oklahoma, they have one up there. And that's a problem when other Protestants look at them and say, but they're so nice. Yeah. Nobody says they're not nice. Yeah, they are nice. Th that, that is a problem is, is, is that they're nice. I mean. Right. And people think, okay, well, because they're so sweet and nice, mm -hmm. uh, we'll just let them live in their, uh, in their, their untruth because, well, it seems to be working for them, but understand from somebody who has been in it, it's not working for them. No. It's creating a lot of, of hopeless suffering and they are nice because their whole life is, this is going to be better when Christ comes again, this is going to be better. So they, they, they kind of disassociate themselves from the present life and just survive it. Not understanding that God came to give us a life abundantly right now. And you can overcome the sins that you have right now. But when you don't have the sacraments to help you, it is it is then just will. It is just pure yeah. courage and will to stop doing what you're doing. And they don't understand and they don't have available for them. And they don't even understand that, that there is something available uh, to them like the sacraments. Yeah, very good. Very good. Very well put. And I know there's so much more we could say. I mean, we're literally just scratching the surface. So maybe we'll have you guys back on in the future. But I want to thank you for joining us today and sharing your stories and sharing thank a little you. bit about the Adventists because I know you care for them so much. And thank you Definitely. for caring for them. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's wonderful to hear you. Yeah, my heart goes out to them for sure, because I know that when you don't live in truth, you can't have that full light of Christ. It's like, I've been there when you have the talking points and you believe something so strongly, but it's just not true. And I just, Jesus Christ is truth. God is truth. The Bible says that. And I want people to know the truth. So we reach out to them. You know, even if they punch us in the face, we keep reaching out to them and we That's pray right. that they come back home. That's right. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys again. And thank you all for tuning into our Catholic Truth podcast. Please check out our show description notes below. Uh, if you would like to support our ministry, please check out our PayPal and our Patreon. Please, if you would like a speaker um, for your church, you can check out uh, the Beams. Um, they have a YouTube channel. Just type in Arthur and Teresa Beam, B-E-E-M, and their YouTube channel will come up. You can check out their videos on Seventh-day Adventism, on the Sabbath, and deeper questions that you may have yourself. And also, please check out our social media pages as well. All of that will be found down below. So thank you all for tuning in and God bless you all.